Sprite Castle. Sprite Castle. Sprite Castle. Sprite Castle. Sprite Castle. Hello and welcome to Sprite Castle, the show in which I play, discuss, and review Commodore 64 games. My name is Rob Flack O'Hara, and on this episode of Sprite Castle, I will be discussing Zaxxon, which was chosen as this episode's game by my Patreon supporters. Supporters such as Dave Velociraptor, Joseph Sharippa, and Stephen Burt. If you would like to help pick the next episode's game or just support my podcast, head on over to patreon.com forward slash Rob O'Hara and sign up today. Zaxxon was published for the Commodore 64 in 1984 by Sega Enterprises. It is a game for one or two players that uses joystick controls. Zaxxon made its debut in arcades all the way back in 1982. It is most famous for being the first isometric arcade game. Uh, isometric is a viewpoint that is sometimes referred to as 2.5 dimension or 2.5D or sometimes 2.5D. But the technical name for this view was axonometric. So the first part of that is A-X-O-N, Axon-O-Metric. And so the developers that worked on the game took the first part of that word, Axon-O-Metric, and added the letter Z, which is where we get the name Zaxon. Zaxon was a huge success in arcades. It was one of the top five arcade games of 1982. It was also the first arcade game ever to be advertised on television. Paramount, who was the parent company of Sega at the time, created a television commercial and spent $150,000 advertising Zaxon on public television. Zaxxon the Arcade Game was originally published by Sega, as I mentioned. Sega was founded by two American businessmen in 1960. The original name of the company was Nihon Goraku Busan, which we can all agree is a terrible name for an arcade company. Fortunately for them, soon after they founded the company, they purchased another company which was known as Service Games of Japan. And so they took the first two letters of service, which was S-E, and the first two letters of games, which was G-A. And they abbreviated service games, and that's how they came up with the phrase Sega. Sega dealt in coin-op games as early as the mid-1960s. They produced many, many coin-op games throughout uh, that time frame up until the early 1980s, at which point they eventually moved into the home video game console market. Now, one of the things that made this episode a little bit difficult to complete is that there are two officially licensed versions of Zaxxon that were released at the same time on the Commodore 64. How in the world did that happen? Well, we're going to talk about that later on in the episode. Um, Sega released the version that you would find on cartridge, while Synapse, or Synapse, depending on how you want to pronounce that, got the licensing rights to release the floppy disk and cassette version. It's very confusing. And so as I move through the episode, I'll probably talk more about Sega's version version in generalities, and I will point out differences uh, when, it, when it's important to differentiate between the two. 
Sega obviously um, released many games on the Commodore 64, and many of their arcade games that you're familiar with also were released on the Commodore 64. There were uh, all the way the classic games, and not just uh, Zaxxon, but um, Congo Bongo, uh, Outrun, Power Drift, Golden Axe, Altered Beast. There are lots of Sega games that appeared on the Commodore 64. Uh, Synapse was known very early on for um, distributing games as well as developing games. They helped distribute Seamus. Uh, they did uh, Load Runner's Rescue, which was a sequel to Load Runner. They released the game Quasimodo, and they also released Blue Max, which interestingly is a isometric flying game. And it is believed that they used the same engine that they used on Blue Max for their port of Zaxxon. In the two-dimensional world of video dots and dashes, flat blips and formless blobs, one video arcade game soars a dimension above the rest. Saxon! Experience the control as you climb and dive. Feel the power as you attack and evade. Discover a new level of excitement with the true feel of action in three dimensions. Saxon, from the master design engineers of Sega. In Zaxxon, players fly a spaceship over enemy bases and through outer space as they shoot as many targets as they can while avoiding being shot or colliding with objects that are part of the background. I don't think there is any direct pop culture reference that relates to Zaxxon. However, the arcade game was released in 1982, and of course, that is the height of 1980s sci-fi mania you're Puts, that puts you right in the middle of Star Wars and the Star Trek movies and Battlestar Galactica. So their uh, outer space shooting games were very popular at the time. And also, uh, they were very convenient for programmers because the backgrounds were black. And so that made them a little bit easier to uh, program uh, a black background, you know, because that's what outer space looked like. So, of course, we had Space Invaders and, uh, you know, all those different space type games. Now, because we are talking about two different versions of the same game, the boxes and packaging were different for both games. The Sega version, on the front cover, they had this wild three-dimensional ship that's shown at an angle. You can see the base that you're flying over at an angle, and they really seem to be pushing this idea that the game is three-dimensional. Um, but it is not artwork as it appears in the game. This is a custom uh, painting that appears on the front. Uh, the uh, Synapse version is a little bit different. It is almost exactly a three-dimensional model of the first level that you're looking at from a zoomed out perspective. So it's really neat. It almost feels like, um, like something constructed out of Lego. <laughs> it, it looks like actual bricks. Like you could see the entire layout of the level and it is presented in that same, uh, isometric point of view. So, um, they're, they're both different approaches at advertising and, um, I don't, know that I like one more than the other. I think they're both uh, effective at what they do. Uh, just to touch on the manual before I talk about the uh, what's on the back of the box. On the manual, uh, there's just a few phrases that are interesting that help us discuss the game. Uh, you know, you 
call the ship your everybody says oh you're the zaxon guy or whatever zaxon's uh that's not actually who you are you are flying an attack shuttle spacecraft it says it spells that out also uh, in zaxon you fly over this enemy base and it identifies that base as asteroid city so that actually has that place has a name that name is asteroid city and then it says if you fly all the way over asteroid city you go to the second part of asteroid city at the end you will face a quote insidious robot and that robot's name is zaxon so zaxon is not the name of your ship zaxon is the name of the enemy now i'm going to refer to the back of the sega version of the packaging here there is a picture of the game and i'm trying to see on here if it says anywhere but this looks a lot like the arcade version of the game and not necessarily the Commodore 64 version of the game. But I didn't, normally they would say that somewhere, but I don't see anywhere um, where that is pointed out. But anyway, here is the information that Sega gives us about the game Zaxxon. It says, the, and these are all just bullet points that are listed on the back of the game. Uh, the official home computer version of Sega's classic arcade game. Unique color graphics. Three-dimensional scrolling battlefield complete with enemy aircraft, fuel tanks, anti-aircraft tanks. Nerve-rattling sound effects. Includes deadly Zaxxon robot encounter. Zaxxon thrusts you into the depths of outer space. Test your pilot skills as you strap into the command position. Prepare for an action-packed challenge of space survival. Score points as you dive, climb, and swoop down to destroy the enemy's floating fortress. Dodge deadly laser barriers, enemy missiles, and rapid gunfire. Destroy enemy fuel tanks, and you can own supply. Oh, and your own supply is replenished. Survive the enemy's fighters' fleet attack, and face the ultimate challenge: the powerful armored Zaxxon robot. Of course, Zaxxon robot is in all caps. Uh, the interesting thing from a, a design point of view, there is a purple stripe across the top of the box that says Commodore 64 cartridge, and then a diagonal swipe that comes down. So it almost forms the letter Z from Zaxxon. So that's kind of interesting. It's not something that's obvious uh, at first glance, but when you look at it and again, everything about the box, about the marketing is slanted in this, uh, 2.5 degree, uh, or not two, not degree, but 2.5 dimension or isometric view of the game. So and that's, that's what they really wanted to get across before you bought the game. Just looking at the artwork, looking at the graphics is that you were going to have uh, this three dimensional experience. So let's talk about the game itself. Once you load the game, you are immediately presented with the word Zaxxon, and that uh, looks just like it does in the arcade game, just a large uh, letters, you know, that say Zaxxon. Uh, once you start the game, you are presented immediately with this isometric view, and you're approaching the first barrier wall that guards the outside of Asteroid City. 
And on the side of the screen, you will see your height meter. Now, because we're dealing with this isometric view, we are moving up and down and also left and right. Uh, that's, that's how we're controlling our ship. But it's sometimes hard to tell how high up you are off the ground. And so the game helps us with that in two ways. The first way is that it has a height meter on the side of the screen. And so we can see how high up or how low we are because in the Commodore version, as the ship moves higher or lower, the actual ship does not change size. So we don't, it, it's hard to get a point of reference as to how high we are off the ground. So that height meter is very helpful when determining how high or low we are. Uh, but the other way that we can tell is directly underneath the ship, there is always a shadow that is on the ground. So the closer you are to that shadow, the closer you are uh, to the ground as well. Uh, height is important in this game for several reasons. One is because uh, most of the enemies that you will face are at ground level. So to shoot things that are on the ground, you need to be at ground level. Um, but also throughout the level, you will find these walls, uh, brick walls that have small openings. <laughs> they're only one or two layer of bricks tall often, and they're just high enough for the Zaxxon ship to slide through, but you have to be lined up exactly um, height-wise to get through those openings. And you can sometimes you can shoot the wall and then move up to where your bullets start going through the opening. So that's a way to tell that you are at the right height. Or you can try to gauge it by just looking at your uh, height meter on the side of the screen. The bottom of the screen has all the other information in regards to the game, the number of ships you have remaining, uh, your fuel meter, your current score, and what level you're on. As you enter Asteroid City, you will see that it is populated with lots of targets, many of them armed to shoot back at you. There are gun turrets that are located on the surface of Asteroid City. And the problem with all these things like the gun turrets is that you have to be on their level to shoot them, which means they can also shoot you. Uh, there are radar dishes that are worth points. You will see vertical firing missiles that will shoot upwards and try to ram into your spaceship. Uh, you can also find enemy ships that will either be that they're usually parked and you could shoot those and get additional points. You'll also find fuel containers. Now, I always call this the River Raid style of refueling, although I don't think that River Raid necessarily um, – uh, and, and a River Raid, you flew over the fuel banisters, but then you could shoot to blow them up. And probably Scramble might be the first game where you actually shot fuel tanks and that gave you fuel. There's some kind of weird logic there. Um, I'm not sure how that works in real life, but that's the way it works in this game as well. There are these giant fuel tanks all over the surface of Asteroid City, and you have to shoot those to refuel your aircraft. Your fuel is constantly going down, so it's not a matter of um, just shooting those fuel tanks for points. You have to do it or you will run out of fuel and your ship will blow up. 
the controls in Zaxxon are very simple. You move uh, the joystick up, down, left, and right, and your ship responds to that. And there is only one fire button on the joystick, and that shoots uh, lasers out of the front of your ship. So it's very instinctive to control. It's not difficult at all to figure out how to play Zaxxon. Um, now, when I was a kid, uh, like with Donkey Kong, I thought that once you beat all four levels of Donkey Kong, you had beaten Donkey Kong, which of course is not the case. It just means you've beat level one of Donkey Kong. Jungle Hunt was the same way, a game that was made up of multiple uh, scenes. And once I beat all those scenes, I thought I had won the game, but really you've just got to the end of the level and then it will wrap around and begin again. And Zaxxon is the exact same way. You have to clear the first part of Asteroid City. Once you fly past that, you will encounter a fleet of enemy ships that will be shooting at you in outer space. They are flying in different patterns. And um, now you really have to use that height meter because since you're in outer space, there's no shadow below you. And you can only shoot these enemy craft when you are at the exact same altitude that they're at, which again also means that they can shoot you as well. I believe if you wait long enough, you will just get past this level. So I don't think you have to kill all the enemy ships to get past uh, this level, but it doesn't hurt. Uh, once uh, you get past that, you will go to the second half of asteroid city. And then at the end of that part of the game, you will encounter the evil insidious robot Zaxxon, uh, who looks like a giant toaster and a few shots to the chest will defeat Zaxxon. It may be the easiest to defeat in boss uh, in video game history. It's not difficult at all uh, to defeat Zaxxon. And then once you do that, the game starts over on a slightly harder setting. As the game continues, uh, you will find uh, more enemies. You will find uh, ships that fly faster. You will find more bullets and more missiles. And the game continues. Every time you beat uh, the entire level, the game just restarts at a higher and higher difficulty. And it will repeat forever uh, until all your men are dead. <laughs> Now, when you talk about the two different versions of Zaxxon, uh, they are slightly different. First of all, we have the official Sega port, which was only released on cartridges. The graphics on this version look a little bit more close to the arcade version. So I do think that the graphics on that one look better, but I think the programming is not as good on this version. Uh, it flickers more than the other one. Uh, not just the sprites themselves flicker sometimes when there's too much going on on the screen and it doesn't scroll as smoothly as the other version. Uh, also the sound on this version is not great. So really the only thing that the Sega port has going for it is that it looks 
more authentic. It looks more similar to the arcade version. On the other hand, you have the um, uh, Synapse release, which again was only for floppy disks and on cartridges. Now, it doesn't look as authentic. It, the, the ship is a little bit more angular. Uh, the colors are a little bit different than the arcade version. So it doesn't look quite um, as close to the arcade version as the other release by Sega. But uh, once you play this version, it's very... Uh, easy to to understand that this is the better port. It plays better. Uh, everything moves more smoothly. There's no flicker. It scrolls. The controls uh, handle better, and it has better sound. So other than just not looking quite as close to the arcade version as the Sega port, the Synapse port uh, plays uh, much better. And if you, if you only have... Well, I mean, they're both free, right? So you can get them both and you can try them both out. But if you're going to go to one, the Synapse one is the one to play. Now, that being said, at this point, you're probably wondering, how on earth did Zaxxon get two official releases at the same time on the same system, which was the Commodore 64? Well, this is a story that has been well-documented. Uh, and it all goes back to a man named Robert Crane. Now, Robert Crane, uh, and I'm I'm not going to tell every detail of the story. I'm just going to just kind of tell you the, the gist of it. But Robert Crane uh, was a Sega lawyer. And so when it came time to do the licensing, he did a little bit of trickery. So he wrote a license agreement for Sega to publish the game on the Commodore 64, but he only put in there that they had rights to the cartridge version. And so that allowed him to essentially double dip and sell a second version to someone else. But that someone else kind of turned out to be himself <laughs> because he had set up a fake company that he sold the rights to the cassette and disc version of Zaxxon 2. And that fake company, which was being run by him, then subleased the development to Synapse. So he was basically set him up. He set himself up as a fake company to be a middleman to skim money off the top for a second licensing deal. And you might think, well, I'm sure he got caught, but he didn't, <laughs> at least not at that point in time. Uh, nobody really, other than it feeling like a weird deal, um, nobody really understood what he had done. The problem is with uh con men and swindlers is that when they pull things off, they tend to do it again. And so he did it again with super Zaxxon. <laughs> and so Sega, because Zaxxon, uh, as I mentioned, was such a popular game in arcades in 1982, they quickly cranked out a sequel called super Zaxxon, which uses the same hardware and it's really just kind of level redesigns uh, and it runs a little bit faster. And instead of a robot at the end, there's a dragon at the end, but it's essentially, you know, Zaxxon two. I mean, it's just an updated version of Zaxxon. And so, um, this guy, this lawyer, um, Robert Crane, he decided to do the exact same thing again, but then there became a problem because now they're trying to release all these versions of Zaxxon, on the Commodore 64 within the same year, two versions of Zaxxon and two versions of Super Zaxxon. And then they started looking into the deal 
And that's kind of when it fell apart, and that's when Robert Crane got busted. So um, that is uh, – it's because of a lawyer and because of a loophole that he created that we have two official versions of Zaxxon for the Commodore 64. That story has made me work up an appetite. So let's take a break, and let's have a little game-related snack. Crack, crack, crack the egg into the bowl. Talking snack. Welcome back to the Sprite Castle Dining Hall, where I have gathered together with some of my Patreon supporters. Today, I have invited Patrick Markey, Vintage Volts, and Dave Zilly to join me here in the Sprite Castle Dining Hall. We will be dining tonight on baked ziti with fried zucchini and zapoli for dessert. If you've never had zapoli, it's really good Italian dessert. Uh, so everybody is here at the table and while we are waiting for the food to be served, I have brought the Zaxxon board game. Yes, the Zaxxon board game, which was released by Milton Bradley in 1982. I'm telling you, Zaxxon, uh, was an amazing pop culture game. It was everywhere. It was so popular that Milton Bradley decided it would make a great board game as well. Now, the board game only supports two players, so uh, maybe Patrick and I will play first, and then Dave and Vintage Vault, so you guys can take the second round of uh, uh, Zaxxon. But uh, if you've never seen the board game of Zaxxon, uh, it doesn't necessarily resemble the arcade game very closely. I suppose it does in spirit. Uh, it's kind of weird. You roll dice, uh, you move your ships around. Your ships can move two different altitudes. <laughs> you can slide them up to be high, which you have to do to get over the walls. Uh, you can push them down low to engage in enemies. There's a spinner that determines whether other things uh, are going to shoot you or if you're going to shoot them. Uh, and you have to get all the way around. And then finally, you have to attack Zaxxon, who's waiting at the end of the board game. It's a very, very strange and um, somewhat convoluted board game. So I'm sure everyone will have uh, a great time playing that as we are waiting for the ZD and Zucchini uh, to show up. If you want to see the Zaxxon board game in action, there is a YouTube channel called Board Game Museum. And on episode 197, they actually review the board game Zaxxon. So if you want to see uh, how it is played, then uh, head over to YouTube and you can check that out. So while everybody is getting started playing the board game, I want to talk about a game I have been playing recently called Duck Slide Range. Now, I'm going to tell you right off the bat, this is going to come off as a paid commercial. This is not a paid commercial or a paid plug or something like that. Nobody has paid me for this. Uh, this is just completely my own personal recommendation. Uh, but this game was written by a friend of mine named Michael Phipps. Uh, Mike or Mikey has been a listener of Sprite Castle since day one. I have visited uh, Mikey's uh, house uh, he he and I played Commodore 64 games at his house. Uh, he is an uh, old-school gamer, just like all of us are old-school gamers. Uh, and last year, he decided to try his hand at making his first mobile game. And so he developed this game 
called Duck Slide Range, uh, which is written in Unity. Um, and, uh, you know, I'm a nostalgic guy, and I remember going to the school. We had the, the little school fun fair. You remember when we had those? And they had the little rubber duckies on the thing that would go, like, around on a little water track and you would throw little rings and try to get them around the duck. I'm sure they probably have that at the fair and things like that too. But that's exactly what this game is. Um, it is that there's a water slide and ducks come down the slide and they go from right to left in front of you and you use your finger on your phone and you throw um, little hula hoops and you try to throw the rings around um, the duck's necks, right? I mean, it's little rubber ducks. It's a simple game, right? Um, but it, it seems simple at first, and then after a couple of levels, then there are multiple rows of ducks, and some ducks go fast, and some ducks go slow, and then there are obstacles that you have to throw around, and you have to bounce you know, shots off of things, and you kind of do ricochets, and, and um, the game just keeps getting harder and harder. Um, you know, my kids... Are uh, they'll they'll play phone games for hours. You know they'll be on the phone and just play the same game for hours. I'm not really like that. I'm like one of those guys. I like uh, I have probably half a dozen games on my phone, and I think on all those games they're they're all games that last like you know a couple of minutes, right? Uh, I call them bathroom games because that's what I started playing them. You know I was like, oh, you can take your phone with you to the bathroom. Oh, that's cool. Um, but uh, a lot of times, like if I'm uh, at work on a, on a meeting or something, and I'm just listening in, I'll be like, oh, let me check out one of these <laughs> little phone games, you know. Or uh, a lot of times my wife uh, does the driving more than I do. Most of the time I'm in the passenger seat, so she'll be driving somewhere, and I'll open up my phone and play um, one of these games. And so that's kind of where I've been playing uh, Duck Slide recently. Um, it, it is, uh, I know it's available on iOS and Android. I haven't tried the Android version, but I have the iOS version. And then I think there is a free version that has ads. Uh, I actually paid for it. Uh, the, the pay version I think is three bucks, uh, and three ninety nine. I think is what it was. Um, which, uh, I, you know, like I said, I'm, I'm not, this isn't really, this is not a paid pitch. I know it feels like a paid pitch, but, uh, you know how many games that I paid Forty or fifty dollars for like on the PS3 that I didn't play very long, you know, and and um, uh, and I've been getting different play out of this. Uh, but one thing Mikey uh, did tell me, I told him that I played through. I actually uh, was a play tester in this game, so if you do the about credits, you'll see my name in there. Uh, but I said, you know, it's pretty fun, um, and uh, I was able to get to the end, but it took a while for me to be able to get to the end. And uh, he said, after so many copies, he's just going to keep adding new levels and updating the game, um, and then the, it will just update. So he's he's still adding to the game. So anyway, I, like I said, that that's it's so long that I know it feels like a commercial. I knew it was going to feel like a commercial when I did it, but uh, but I just wanted to throw out there that that that's what I have been playing uh, over the past week is Duck Slide Range. So if you want to try that out again, it's on iOS uh, or Android. And um, uh, there are free versions, uh, ad-supported versions, I believe, of both those. Or, you know, anytime one of my friends is doing something like that, I'll, I'll always buy it, you know. So um, I don't know how much of the $4 he gets. I'm sure Apple takes a chunk of that. But whatever, whatever's left he gets, I hope he buys um, uh, part of a taco or whatever you can get um, for that. So anyway, 
Uh, everybody is, uh, as I'm looking over here, they've finished their uh, Zapoli, uh, which is, a, again, an Italian dessert. you got to look it up. It's really, really good. And uh, they're getting started with uh, the board game of Zaxxon. So while everybody is on that, I'm going to step aside from the Sprite Castle Dining Hall and get back to talking about the Commodore 64 version of Zaxxon. Both versions of Zaxxon received pretty good reviews. Um, Lemon 64 has the Synapse version. They don't have the Sega version listed for some reason, but they have that version. Uh, it has an average score of 7.5, basically 7.5. Uh, Computer and Video Games has it risked. Uh, they have 26 out of 30 points. Commodore User has 4 out of 5. So uh, everybody thought this game was amazing. And... Partially, it got such high reviews because Zaxxon is such an original game. Uh, that isometric view set it apart from everything in arcades at that time. And the home version, because it was a port of that game, set it apart from all the home versions of those same arcade games. So, you know, I mean, essentially, if you're in an arcade, Zaxxon looks different than Galaga, right? And if you're playing home games... Zaxxon looks different than Galaga. You see what I'm saying? So uh, so it got high reviews in arcades, and it got high reviews on the home versions as well. The Commodore 64 is not the only computer that received a port of uh, Zaxxon, although I think it's the only one that received two official ports <laughs> of Zaxxon. Uh, Zaxxon also appeared on the ColecoVision, the Apple II, the Atari 8-bit computers. There are different ports for the TRS-80 and the TRS-80 Coco. Uh, there's a DOS version. There's an Atari 5200 version. There's another release for the Coleco Atom and the ZX Spectrum, the MSX, and the SG-1000. So most of the 8-bit systems at the time uh, all got releases. I don't, you know, I just saw on this, I don't see that it says Atari 2600 on uh, Moby Games. And the Atari 2600 version uh, is, is a two-dimensional version of Zaxxon, but there there's definitely an Atari 2600 version as well. It doesn't seem to be uh, on this list. Now, as I mentioned before, uh, the 1982 release of Zaxxon was so popular that Sega immediately went to releasing a sequel, which was Super Zaxxon, which also was released in arcades in the same year. And again, as I talked about that controversy before, it was ported twice to the Commodore 64 as well. So there are two official releases of Zaxxon for the Commodore 64, and there are two official releases of Super Zaxxon for the Commodore 64 as well. If you want to own an original copy of Zaxxon for the Commodore 64, it's not too expensive. I saw several different versions. Uh, again, you're talking about three types of media. There's a cartridge, there's a cassette, and there's a floppy disk. And depending on how complete they are, box, manual, stuff like that, I saw different versions for sale in the $20 to $30 range on eBay. So that's about what I would expect to pay. And now let's get into my personal memories of playing Zaxxon. All right, time travelers, seatbelt fastened, yes, get away to the past. Huh? Memory. 
Now, I definitely remember seeing Zaxxon in arcades, and how could you forget? How could you forget that moment? It was definitely one of those moments, just like seeing Dragon's Lair, just like seeing Pole Position for the first time. Uh, it was a new style of game, and it was so impressive and so different than anything I had seen before that I definitely remember the first time that I saw Zaxxon. I remember the first time my dad saw Zaxxon and in my mind, he almost reaches towards the monitor because it looks so 3d. And I remember him saying, this is the future. This game is the future. <laughs> and it did feel like the future at the time, because like I said, it, it's, it's hard to stress now in 2023, but in 1982 in arcades or 1984 on home computers, uh, there was just nothing like this. It was so unique, uh, that it really stood apart from the crowd. Now, I originally played Zaxxon at home on the Apple II. Uh, the Apple II version was released a year before the Commodore 64 port, so it would have come out in 1983. Now, I got my Commodore 64 in 1985, and by the time I got it, Zaxxon was already a year old, uh, and I didn't really start getting uh, a lot of games until 1986. So then... Uh, obviously you could do the math. Zaxxon is two years old at that point. So it was kind of old news. Uh, if that's, you know, it wasn't as groundbreaking as it had once been. So when you first saw, when everybody first saw Zaxxon again, it was such a, a breathtaking, uh, isometric game that it was kind of mind blowing, but you didn't get that same feeling two years later, three years later, you know, it was just, a space shooter. But that being said, it was still a good space shooter. It was still a game that was fun to play, but it probably got lost a little bit in the shuffle with all the other games that I was acquiring at that time. But I do remember playing it on the Commodore 64. I do remember playing and enjoying this game uh, and, uh, and thinking that it was great. Now, if you listen to my other podcasts, like you don't know Flack, you know that I also collected full-size arcade machines for many years, and I owned an arcade version of Zaxxon. I bought it at a auction. I just talked about this uh, recently on one of my streams, um, but um, one of the things that auctioneers are infamous for is making up things while they're trying to sell uh, arcade games. I uh, have, have given this example before, but I had, I looked at a Frogger machine at an auction one time, and other than the monitor, the machine was completely empty. There was no power supply. There was no motherboard. There was no electronics in it. And then as they were auctioning off the game, they tried to turn it on, and I knew it wouldn't turn on because there was no electronics inside it. And the auctioneer said, well, it was working this morning, so, um, but, uh, you know, your, your mileage may vary. And I thought, and there, there's no way that game, unless there was some sort of miracle involved, there's no way that game was working uh, this morning. And so when the Zaxxon game, uh, this is a different auction, but when the Zaxxon game came up for auction, the auctioneer said, this game will uh, was running earlier and it's not now. Well, maybe that's true, maybe it's not. He said it's probably a fuse. Uh, and, and, um, you know, it, you can just never believe that you just, you have to do your own investigation, uh, at these types of auctions. And, uh, so it didn't turn on and I ended up buying the game for $50, uh, 
uh, a non-working version of Zaxxon. And when I got it home, I looked at it and the fuse on the power supply had blown. I replaced the fuse. I mean, this is a 10 cent fuse and the game fired up and played perfectly. And I have been told many, many times over the years that uh, these games, uh, it's probably just a fuse and it never turns out to just be the fuse but it did that one time. <laughs> That's the only time in my life that it actually turned out uh, to just be the fuse. Now, the one thing that I, well, two things I will say is that number one, the arcade version of Zaxxon has a vertical monitor and all these home versions are obviously horizontal. Now they tried to put information on the side of the screen to shrink the gameplay area a little bit. But I think all of the home versions suffer a little bit because that 2.5 dimension or isometric view, uh, you, you can kind of see more of what's coming and you get a better feel of that in a vertical uh, presentation. And so I don't think it's quite as effective in the horizontal view. Um, some people might disagree, but I've always felt that way. But uh, the bigger difference to me is the joystick on the arcade version. The joystick is uh, a a like a flight stick. It's like it's similar to the um, Tron joystick or Satan's Hollow stick. It's very similar to that, and it has a fire trigger that you pull with your index finger, uh, and it that simulates flying a, a spacecraft. I mean, you feel like you're flying a spaceship while you're holding this this joystick and, and firing with the trigger, and it never quite felt quite as good with playing uh, on the Commodore 64 with a Atari style joystick. It's okay. It controls okay. And there's no real complaints to it, but there is that little bit extra something in the arcade version that makes it feel a little bit more uh, like a space shooter. For graphics, I give Zaxxon four out of five Zaxxons. Can you give Zaxxons on a Zaxxon game? I guess you can. Uh, the graphics are, uh, especially in the Synapse version, uh, are not quite as good, but both of them resemble the arcade game and do a really good job of presenting this isometric space shooter on a home system. Uh, for music, I don't think either one has any music, so uh, we could skip that. For sound effects, I'll give it three out of five. Some of them are more annoying <laughs> than others and don't quite nail that arcade experience, but uh, it's still, it's okay. It's middle of the road. Uh, but overall, I'm going to give Zaxxon four out of five Zaxxons. Uh, I believe that they broke the mold when they released Zaxxon as a space shooter in the arcades. Uh, this game doesn't have the same level of depth that many modern gamers are probably looking for, but for a simple arcade-style shoot-em-up game, you just can't go wrong with Zaxxon. Thanks again for tuning in to Sprite Castle. If you have feedback about this or any episode of the show, you can always email me directly at Rob O'Hara at RobOHara.com. Join the conversation on Facebook at Facebook.com forward slash Robcasts. Follow me on Twitter at Commodore. Come chat with me on the Amigos Retro Gaming Discord or leave me a message on the podcast hotline, which is 405-486-YDKF. 
Zaxxon was selected as this episode's game by Patreon supporters like John Morrison, Alan Hennessy, and Edward Smith. If you would like to help pick games to be featured on future episodes of Sprite Castle, read behind-the-scenes blog posts, watch weekly videos, get access to the Amigos Retro Gaming Discord, and receive other additional perks, support tiers start at just $2 a month. To find out more, visit patreon.com forward slash Rob O'Hara. Sprite Castle is available on all major podcast providers, including the official Amigos podcast feed at anchor.fm forward slash Amigos podcast. More information on all my podcasts is available at podcast.roboherit.com. News and game details for Sprite Castle come from websites such as Commodore News, Indie Retro News, the Commodore Scene Database, Lemon64, and Moby Games. Hey, thanks again for listening. Now get back to kicking Asteroid City, and we'll see you here next time on Sprite Castle. Mm-hmm.